Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast in partnership with Help Musicians. As ever, I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode, I'll be showing you the different ways to fund your music projects. In the last few years, we've seen a rise in the creative funding opportunities available to musicians and they're a great option to consider when you're looking to finance your work. A little later, I'll be speaking to funding expert Remy Harris, who tells me about the options currently available to musicians and how to access them, as well as the secrets of successful funding applications. But first, I spoke to artist Callista Kazuko, who has successfully supported a number of her music projects through creative funds. She's also won funding from the Help Musicians Do It Differently Fund and tells me about what it was like applying for it, along with some of the lessons she learned along the way. Let's hear from Callista. Where does your income come from as an artist? I've been taking a music business course, which is absolutely fabulous. I'll give it a shout out. It's called Learn MBE and I recommend it to every musician. It stands for Learn Music Business Essentials and it teaches you how you can actually make money from music, which I had no idea about before. And I I thought I was actually pretty good. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I think I understand how the music industry works. I had no clue. So there were all these revenues actually just from releasing music, royalties that most artists have no idea that they can be claiming the kind of mantra for the courses. If your music gets played, you should be getting paid. So even things like you do a gig and you record it every time that video is shown on YouTube, you should be getting paid for it. And things like this, just wild things I had no idea about. We've had to completely reinvent uh, how we're making money and sustaining ourselves. So I'm doing quite a lot of online songwriting sessions and things like that and then obviously funding and support from these amazing organizations which I know we're going to get into as well. So can you tell me a bit about that about the projects that you've had funded by various organizations? So the first fund I had was in 2018 and that was for a Voice of ICO project and it was for two campaigns which now I've done more funding applications and I I definitely would have just done one because I think I was trying to like oversell I was like look at all this stuff we're going to do with the money when actually like simplify 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 I would have just done one now but I mean we managed to do it and it was absolutely brilliant so one campaign was working with Mind and it was for a campaign called Prescription Dream and we were looking at the potential dangers of prescription drugs and then we also worked on a project called WADE, which stands for We All Deserve Equality, and that was with Migrant Help. We made new music and film, released them with a live event, and also did workshops with the relevant charities. And then I made my first studio album as Callista Kazuko, and it's called Empress, and it was a lovely female empowerment love fest. And that came out in 2019. So I was lucky enough to get the Help Musicians Do It Differently fund for actually making the album. And so that that money went towards making the album, making a music video, putting out the album. And then I actually got a Arts Council project grants to extend the project after the album came out. I made the album and it was a sort of female empowerment album. I did a Pride show. So this would have been summer 2019. And 
it was just the craziest night because there was a table of non-binary people in the audience and they got really upset that the show was so gendered. And this was kind of the first time it, I'd experienced this. So we had a, an amazing conversation about it, like mid gig and the whole room got involved and it was brilliant. And I realised from there that actually this female empowerment album that I made didn't quite cut it and I had to explore like other things as well. So we expanded the campaign we ended up getting the funding and then going into lockdown. So we kind of had to restructure the whole project, but we managed to do a podcast with amazing guests and looking at different issues every every episode. And we did an incredible crowdsourcing campaign where we got people to share stories online. And it was so much more special because it had to be done in this way. So the results and the meaning of it was just so much more. So yeah, I'm super grateful for all of the funds, but especially that one. And do you have any structure in place financially in terms of how you plan out a year financially? Or do you do any cash flow forecasting or anything like that? So I tend to do things sort of project by project. And I've had to be really organised when you do get funding. You have to just be really organised with it if you're running your own finances. So I, I'm quite disciplined in keeping really good accounts for the project. I tend to do it once a month. And there are these amazing apps that you can use to help with your accounts. So I, tr- I try and get into the habit of doing a, a little one every week and then like the accounts every month just to make sure I'm on top of what the money's being spent on. Having it going out of a separate account which is a little bit more difficult than it sounds because you get the funding into your personal bank account. So I actually moved my money into a savings account and did things like that to make sure that I I was very clear on what money was what. So have there been any other ways that you've raised money for projects? Oh, yeah, actually, the Empress album was crowdfunded, which was absolutely brilliant. And I would definitely recommend it as a way of raising money for a project. So Unfortunately, we used Pledge. So as I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, Pledge went under and it was just when that was happening. So we didn't get a lot of the money. But what I was so blown away by is just how generous people will be. Aside from the money, just to have that support and to know that people want to support you and care about you making music is just, it's such a drive. It really is such a boost. And also, aside from the money, as soon as someone's donated to to your record, they're like fully invested in a way that if they just saw you talk about something, they might not be. But the minute they've given their 10, 20, 200, whatever it was, pounds, they're like, right, I've contributed now. I'm a part of this project. So they will follow it and they will tell their friends about it and they will be there on release day ready to share. So it's a really fun experience. And I'd say... With that one, I I took a lot of time to make sure I asked a lot of friends that have done successful crowdfunding just to get some good tips. And what I would say is uh, allow enough time to do it, allow lots of time to do it, offer lots of different priced things from like five pounds to I think my highest one was 500 pounds, but also have a donation because you never know, people might even want to give more. So a donation option. And get really creative with what you're offering. So uh, we did like appear in a music video or a really successful one, actually, a really popular one was I'll write a song about anything you want and including people in liner notes. And we had so many fun things. Origami, because so my mum's Japanese and I love doing origami. So people were buying these packs of origami, which I just do for fun. Although it did get to the point because that was such a popular option that I was like, I'm never touching origami paper again. I was literally like going mad, like folding these tiny little 
unicorns. Do you feel like you've made any financial sacrifices for your career in music? Definitely, because there's, you know, making and releasing music is really expensive. And this isn't so much a financial one, but on an Arts Council application I was doing, and I didn't allow myself enough time. And for personal deadlines, I had to get it in. And I ended up missing my own birthday party to get this funding application in. So that's the worst one. But I've, I've regretted that ever since because I didn't even get it. But also I was like, that's when you have to like make a decision and be like, okay, I'm, I'm actually just not going to do that. Now I would have just not done it and just not put the application in. When you're in that moment, it just seemed more important, you know. So I'm always looking for ways to save money. Our music videos, that's where we really shine. Because we, we make these amazing music videos. I'm so lucky I work with such amazing filmmakers. And people look at these videos and they're like, wow, what was your budget for that? Like 10, 20 grand. I'm like, uh, no, like 100 pounds. <laughs> We're so unbelievable. Like, it's because the guys I work with, so I work with lots of amazing filmmakers, but especially um, Philip Ranking and Tom Linton are the two I work with a lot. And they are just so brilliant and creative. So they do a lot of it just in post. So we'll yeah. film just with a green screen. And then suddenly I'm like in a dungeon with a dragon and like honestly it's like incredible so I'm super super lucky and actually how I found them was years ago I was looking to make some music videos and my husband actually came up with the idea of contacting the film schools in London the top film schools and just putting out a poster like looking for filmmakers to make new music videos and I did that and expecting to hear nothing back and all the film schools were really like helpful they were like oh cool we'll put this in our mail out we'll put a poster up in the the, like student union whatever and I spent like a week of my life just looking at showreels because so many students from the top film schools got back in contact and were like oh I'd love to yeah. get involved so that's how I ended up meeting the filmmakers that I work with now and we've stuck together for years now and grown together and it's just lovely when I first decided to get into funding I went to an amazing talk by Remy Harris who is just incredible and that's what did it for me I went to a, an, an amazing talk at the musicians union with Remy and just took on all that advice like a sponge and and that's what made it possible to actually get successful funding so thank you Remy so yes my first tip is see what's available and then go to some talks you know actually see what funds are available see which ones are right for you and then go to the relevant bodies they always put on talks and seminars to explain what their different funds offer so go to those first step and then once you've decided what fund you're going for my next bit of advice would be to read the guidelines and actually figure out what they're looking for and then number three would be to figure out your project and don't overcomplicate it so I tend to do like a mind map like just a big piece of paper with kind of the idea of the project, but then actually do your finances and your timeline so that it's all there for the application. Number four, it says my key, give yourself enough time to write the application. And then number five is make sure that you double check your application, make sure you submit all the relevant documents because often they'll ask for other attachments. But if you get that format wrong or you don't include it, they can just like completely disregard your application without even reading it. So make sure you've got all the relevant documents. And those are my five top tips. That was Callista Kazuko. And if you want to find out more about the Help Musicians Do It Differently Fund, we've linked to it in the show notes. We'd like to thank Help Musicians for their support in bringing you this episode. 
They're an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years through an integrated program of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support. The charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Remy Harris is a funding expert and author of Easy Money. She's the go-to person for advice on music funding applications. And I was delighted to speak to her and find out about the different options available to anyone looking to fund a music project. Here's Remy. You've become quite an expert on funding. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into that in the first place? I was working at AIM and I started to apply for little bits of funding from the Arts Council and other places for AIM. And I realised that this was something that could be done. And I started to learn how to write funding applications and develop relationships with funders. And then the credit crunch hit in the last recession. And it was a time when even established independent labels were struggling to get funding to record artists and put bands on tour, even if they'd had great credit in the past and had been able to borrow. And so at that time, I was at UK Music. And this was in about 2010. And money had really dried up. And people were starting to look around and say, where can we get money to invest into new artists and into making new music? So at UK Music, we were campaigning on that and going to talk to the government about the lack of access to finance for for the music industry. And so those conversations are quite frustrating and didn't really progress. But it's at that time that lots of solutions started to come forward, like the Momentum Music Fund that's run by PRS Foundation. And I went freelance after I left UK Music and I had this idea, this burning idea to write a book that was going to answer this question for managers, artists, labels, people that wanted to start festivals, anyone that was looking for money, which is where is the money? Like, how do we get it? Where is it? Who do we need to talk to? What do we have to do? So it sounds like an incredibly complicated process. Where do you start if you're interested in funding? So I think if you're interested in funding, there's multiple different types of funding that you can get. And each type of funder wants something different. So I always encourage people to think about what's in it for them? (laughs) What's in it for the funder? If it's crowdfunding, are they going to get a benefit or a perk? If it's investment, then are they going to own shares in your project or your company? And is the investor going to make money back from that? If it's a loan, have you got a rock solid plan for how it's going to be repaid? And of course, most people are interested in grant funding in the early stages of their careers. And so With that, you have to understand what does the funder want? Why have they created a fund to fund artists or to fund new music or to fund live music? And does what you're doing match up with what the funder wants? So do your values align? Do your aims align? And if they do, then it could be a match made in heaven. So can you tell me more about that grant funding? Yeah, absolutely. So grant funding for, let's say, the the commercial music industry has more been a thing for the last 10 years than it has at any time previously. I think in the past, it's mainly been funding for music institutions, orchestras, opera and organisations that need a large amount of money to present music and also funding for things like music education and music making in, in the grassroots sector. But as I mentioned, with the credit crunch and the pressure 
on the commercial music sector, it's more and more become a focus for managers and artists and labels and publishers developing new music and creative funds with Arts Council, PRS Foundation and Help Musicians and other funders have become more and more important, I think, to developing artists. Is there a central place where an artist can go that actually maps out all of the different creative funding opportunities available? One of the best resources I often point people to is is the funding wizard I think it's called on the help musicians website which lets you search for funding and then there's also a list in the back of my book which is all the funding sources but really the key ones for people will be their national arts council so arts council England Wales Northern Ireland or Creative Scotland PRS foundation and then beyond that there are specialist funds for 20th century classical music or sound art or commissions and other ways that people can um, get funding to make music. But those three, the arts councils, the PRS Foundation um, and Help Musicians are the top three, I think, to start with, because they're so clearly laid out and well run and set up for music that it would be the easiest thing, I think, for a newbie to funding to start with those three organisations. So Callista described how the application process was pretty stressful. Do you have any advice for anyone listening on how to approach applying for one of these grants or creative funding opportunities? Yes, I would say don't launch straight into the application form. First, have a think about what you want to do. Have a think about the project you want to create, the work you want to make, and try and write that first before going anywhere near the funding application form. Try and think of it as a concept or a project or an idea or a a 100 word pitch and try and just hone your idea. What do you want to do? What's it going to do for your career? What do you want to achieve? And try and get that down first because in the process of writing the funding application you may have to talk to different people about your project you may want to talk to partners that you want to work with or producers or PR companies in order to piece your funding application together and actually if you start with your core idea and build everything around that it will be easier for you to do my second tip I guess is to when you do get onto looking at the funding application to just work offline in a word document or in a document where you've copied and pasted the questions across so that you can just edit tweak rework and not be faced with the pressure of having to come up with all the answers on the spot and type them straight into an application form because I don't think most people's brains work that way I feel like there's a thing called form phobia For any of us, when we have to fill in an official application form or a tax return or a grant funding application, we just freeze and the creative bit of us just goes into retreat. So to come up with your ideas and formulate and develop them and bounce ideas off other people is at the heart of of developing your projects, I think. And to do that offline and away from the actual form is where I would start to reduce the stress and the pressure on yourself um, to write it in that grant funder format. Write it for yourself first in a way and then for the funding applications. 
Another thing Callista spoke about was how she actually ended up missing her birthday party because she massively underestimated how long it was going to take for her to fill out the form. How much time would you recommend that people put aside for a funding application? I'm sure they vary, but um, do you have a sort of rule of thumb that you can use for trying to work out how long it might take? Yeah, I mean, I guess guess it depends on the length of the form. So something like Arts Council project grants is a little bit more complicated with more sections and more words, maybe up to 3,000 words. So that's kind of like an essay, whereas some other funders, Help Musicians and PRS Foundation now, I think, allow you to do video applications, which some people find much more comfortable. But you do need to think of it as a process rather than a moment, because you you want to be able to go through a few drafts of this, ideally. I have heard stories of people who just dash in a funding application at the last minute and get the funding. But generally speaking, you want to be thinking about working on, on it over a month or so and coming back to it and revising it and getting it spell checked and all of that kind of thing. And the bigger the project, the longer you want to spend on that process. So it's not so much just a question of how much time should you set aside? Oh, it's four days. It's also over what period of time is that thinking and developing process going to be done? And I think it's probably better to do the work over a number of weeks rather than try and do it at the last minute, because that is extremely stressful. It does put a lot of pressure on yourself. So I, I would say for a first time funding application, try and maybe think of spending a couple of days on it, but spaced out over a reasonable amount of time where you've got time to go away and rest your brain and come back to it. It's not a horrendous process, but if you try and do it too quickly, then it it creates an unnecessary pressure. So yeah, don't leave it to the night before. Callista also spoke about how she used crowdfunding and she had a lot of success with that. Uh, What other options are there to fund a project? Yeah, crowdfunding is a brilliant one, isn't it? And it's so good to match with grant funding as well, because if you can show that you've got an audience that have bought into what you're doing and that there's demand and appeal and it's not just you wanting to do it, but there's there's a community out there supporting you, I think that's very persuasive to somebody assessing a grant funding application versus an application that where there's no external support. So the two can work really, really well together. And with every type of funding, is it's different, but all of them have something in common, which is needing to understand what's in it for the funder and being able to communicate that to them. So people will be maybe familiar with crowdfunding and that you need to keep people updated. You need to create maybe a video or a description of what you're doing and share that on social media or speak to people about it and publicise it. And so that in itself is a process that takes time and an investment of time. And I really encourage people to think about which types of funding do they want to learn how to raise and to invest the time into those. So again, sometimes these things happen really, really easily, but mostly there are a lot of work. And so to raise sponsorship or crowdfunding or grant funding, it's a skill that if you develop it, it can pay back over the lifetime of your career that you're able to do that. People shouldn't try and think of it as too short term. Just think of it as as an investment of time. Once you've done a successful crowdfunding campaign, actually, that's something you could come back to again in the future and use again to develop your business or your career. 
So going back to the question that you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you wanted to answer in your book, Easy Money, How Do I Get Funding? What kind of answers did you find when you were writing it? And was there anything that surprised you? The kind of things that I found in terms of how do you get money is that all of them seem to follow a similar process, which is finding out about the funder. So sort of researching it approaching the funder and making some kind of communication, pitch, video, business plan, proposal, or something like that, some kind of offer to them. Then there's some kind of process where they assess or they consider your proposal. And then you either get the money and then deliver the work, or you don't get the money and you hopefully get some feedback. And it's a cycle. So all of them followed that same process, which was quite interesting to find that they all worked in a similar way, even though they were all approaching different audiences, if you like, whether it's brands or individual customers that you're asking to crowdfund or a funding organisation, they all take time to acquire the funding. That was my big revelation about it, is that all of them are a process and they've all got a slightly different process and a slightly different target, but they all follow the same pattern. Another thing that was really surprising was I remember talking to... David Glick, who runs an investment company called Edge Fund, he said a lot of people approach him about getting funding for their business and asked, well, would you consider funding my business? This is what I'm doing. And he said, yes, but we need to see a business plan. And what he said was the vast majority of people go off and then you never get a business plan from them. And then he mentioned, oh, you know, occasionally he'll bump into them and they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm still getting my business plan together. And he would think, he's not waiting for their business plan. It's this follow-up is so challenging for people. It's difficult to make the application. And lots of people go through their careers and they don't do it because it is somehow pressing people's buttons to present their work or their business in a particular way. So that helped me see that the process of actually putting your ideas down on paper and sending them to somebody who could give you the money is one of the biggest barriers for people. Actually getting an application in is a massive hurdle for people to overcome. So if you're out there thinking, oh, I really should do something about this and I just don't want to or I'm, I'm put off in some way, you're not alone. And a lot of people feel very nervous and uncomfortable about presenting their ideas. And it, it does set you up for kind of rejection in a way. Um, and people are very anxious about that. But on the funder side, they want to be approached And if it's a good fit for them, they want to hear from you. So please remember that. That was Remy Harris. And if you want to buy her book, Easy Money, we've put a link in the show notes. How have you funded your music projects? Send us an email at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on social media at elevatemusicpod and let us know. Thank you to Callista and Remy for speaking to me. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. If you want to find out about how to look after your health and well-being as a musician, Rianne Jones and I have just written a book on this topic. It's called Sound Advice and it's available at soundadvicebook.com, where we also have a free online directory of health, well-being and business resources for musicians. So do check those out. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thanks for listening. We've got lots of information about funding in our episodes show notes, so don't forget to check those out. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode.